Now, we all know what a parade is, according to the Internet, which is uh, completely dependable. A parade is a procession of people for some purpose. That pretty well qualifies a lot of things for parades. And I think we've all participated in a parade in one way or another. Take, for instance, the Macy's Day Parade. Is there anybody here who has not seen the Macy's Day Parade? You have not seen it. Oh, we got something great for you coming up on Thanksgiving. Most of us have seen here, right? Has anybody actually been in New York for the Macy's Day Parade? You have. You've seen it in person. It's different in person, isn't it? Okay. When we go to a parade or we see a parade, we we interact with a parade somehow. Now, I didn't grow up with the Macy's Day Parade, but I grew up as a little kid with something else in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I grew up with this thing called the Mummers Parade. Now, Mummer comes from this expression of making merry. And the Mummers is the oldest folk festival in the United States. And when I was a kid, from probably age four to about age 11 or 12, my parents bundled me up January the 1st, every January the 1st, and took me to the Mummers Parade. It was a very unusual parade. People would get together and have these fancy dress outfits, like this one, with feathers everywhere and they played string bands now a string band if you're not aware of this is a combination of musicians playing together predominantly accordions and also guitars and banjos and maybe even a saxophone or two and these groups would get together from Philadelphia. You'd have the Kensington String Band that would come from one particular section. We would have the Polish-American String Band that would come from another section. We'd have the Frankfurt String Band that would come from another section. And I was totally engrossed as a kid in this whole Mummers Parade thing. So much so that about age 11, I got my parents convinced they should buy me an accordion. (laughs) And I actually had this idea that I was going to learn to play the accordion and be in a string band on Mummer's Day. That never did happen. (laughs) Okay, today I'm going to talk about another parade. This parade is called the Palm Parade. And this really is a parade, and that's what's recorded in Matthew chapter 21. But I just don't want to talk about this parade. I want you to put yourself in this parade. I want you to imagine yourself being there. And I have a reason for asking you to do this, because basically, during this Palm Parade, we were in the beginning of parade season for the people who were alive then. Parade season is a combination of seven feast days for the nation of Israel. Every year, Israel went through seven great feasts, but the number one was Passover. Passover was the reminder to them of their time in Egypt and how they escaped out of that into freedom. And every year, Passover was celebrated in a most unusual way. People from all over the nation would make their way to Jerusalem to offer up a sacrifice. Passover didn't always and doesn't always come together at the same time as Palm Sunday because they used two different calendars to calculate Easter and Palm Sunday and Passover. But guess what? Just a little trivia. Passover actually starts 
for Israel tomorrow. Same time as Palm Sunday, almost. Passover was a time when people came with their families down to Jerusalem. And you can picture this. You've got a family and you're going to go down to Jerusalem. It's a long way down to Jerusalem, depending on where you live. You don't take a train. You don't fly there. You probably walk. Maybe you go in some other way. You take the kids with you. You're all going down to Jerusalem. It's hot in Jerusalem. I checked it out this morning. On Wednesday, it's going to be 82 degrees in Jerusalem. It's hot and it's dusty and it's not a pleasant trip. This is not a Hawaii vacation. These are people from all over who begin to make their way to the city of Jerusalem. And Jesus is up in the north near Galilee and he tells his disciples, We are going to Jerusalem for Passover. And so they make their way down. It's a long way. And eventually, according to Matthew chapter 21, verse 1, they get to the town of Bethpage, which is right at the Mount of Olives. Let me read what Matthew wrote in chapter 21, verse 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, they came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives. It is two miles approximately two miles from that little village to Jerusalem. And we're going to have a parade of two miles. A parade that consists of people coming from all over. A parade that consists of Jesus and his 12 disciples and multitudes of others that may have also joined him. Now most of these people are going to walk. But this is going to be a different kind of parade And Jesus decides we're going to have a parade float. And that may be a bad word. You've all seen the kind of parade that they put in California on Rose Bowl Parade Day with big elaborate floats. Well, Jesus is going to have a float too. Matthew chapter 21, the next part of the verse. Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her untie them, bring them to me, and if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. That's an amazing story. Jesus sends his disciples to pick up two animals, a colt, a baby, and its mother. It's interesting that Mark and Luke, who also record this incident, don't have the mother there. But Jesus, apparently realizing this is an unbroken animal that he is going to ride, mom comes along to take care of her little baby. I would have done this differently. I mean, if I would have, Jesus, I I, I would have got me a big white horse. Because that's what the Romans would have done. The general would have come on a big white horse. Or how about maybe a chariot? with a big white horse pulling it. And if you really want to go a little lower class than the white horse, you could have gotten easily anywhere. You could have gotten a camel. Or maybe two camels, maybe 12 camels, one for each one of the disciples. Or how about this? Maybe he could have rented an elephant. (laughs) But no. Jesus is going to ride the colt of this 
donkey with his disciples. And there's a reason, and you know the reason why he's going to do this. Because it is a fulfillment of a prophetic statement made by an Old Testament prophet. Jesus knew that. I'm not sure how many other people knew that. This is what Matthew writes in verse 4. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophets, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Jesus brings that colt and will ride that colt the two miles from Bethpage to Jerusalem and the parade of people from all over begins. It's the Palm Parade. Listen to what Zechariah wrote in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation in him, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. And for two miles, we have the Palm Parade. Now, I am much more interested in the response that this parade solicits from the people around. What would you do had you been there? Had you made that trip? If you had your kids with you, if you had come down and you begin to see this strange thing of this lanky person riding a colt, a new, relatively newborn animal, So the parade solicits responses. And like I tell you, every time I've been around a parade, it has elicited a response in me. And I'm I'm going to share a couple of them with you. But I want you to think about the parade you've been to and what kind of a response you had. Well, some of the responses of the people to the parade are recorded in Matthew. Some of them are not. So I have the liberty to make them up. First of all, we have the response of the 12 disciples. That's Matthew 21, verse 6. The disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, and the disciples put their cloaks as he sat on them. Now it appears they took their outer garments and they put them on the foal, on the little donkey, to pile it up to make it a little bit more comfortable to ride this little animal the two miles to Jerusalem. Can you picture that? By the way, your cloak was very valuable. You don't go down to Walmart and pick up a new one. This was a costly thing that they took and they said, let's put this on here. Here, you ride on this, Jesus. It was quite a sacrifice, perhaps, for some of these. The interesting thing is that the crowd that was around them And I want you to note the word, the crowd. The crowd that was around them, they kind of picked this idea up. And in chapter 21, verse 8, this is what it says. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road. And others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. So the people that saw the parade 
kind of decided to get into the parade. So some of them took their outer cloaks off, put that so that the parade could walk over it. Some of them took palm branches, cut them so that the parade could move over it. Now, now we understand that, don't we? Because we have a thing called red carpets. See, we do this. We roll out a red carpet. Well, who do we roll a red carpet out for? Somebody very important. Somebody very popular. So this is a sense of rolling out the red carpet for this person who is riding this beast of burden. And we also do the same thing at wedding processions. And that's the best part of every wedding. Some little girls get involved to take petals and walk in front of the bride and throw the petals out on the ground. People are all so excited, preparing the way. Only the bride walks on the path of the petals. That's what this is a picture of. I have to admit, I've gone over this picture in my mind over and over and over again, and I keep asking this question. What happened to all the garments that were thrown out there on the road? Did these people go and pick the garments back up again? Matthew doesn't say. I would assume that they went and picked the garments back up again. And it causes me to question how many of them got all caught up in the parade for the moment and then thought, well, I don't know about this. That could be anybody's response to any parade. So I'll give you a little story. Because I had a response once to a parade like that. 1999, Barbara and I were living in Budapest, Hungary. We'd been there for a year or so. And uh, it was a very special celebration time in Budapest because Hungary was celebrating 1,000 years of existence. Now, we had a friend in our church who was a medical doctor, and he had created quite a relationship with a government official in Hungary. And uh, he called me on Saturday, and he said to me, Ron, I got a little bit of a problem. He said that my friend in the government has given me two tickets to the celebration at St. Stephen's Basilica. And he said, uh, my wife and I were going to go to the celebration, but we're not going to be able to go. And he said, so I didn't worry about it, but he said, my, my 16-year-old daughter, Emily, that I knew very well, she really wants to go. So he said, can I, I ask you to do me a big favor on Sunday afternoon after church? Could you take my daughter, Emily, to the celebration at St. Stephen's Basilica? I didn't have any idea what this was about. Certainly, I'll take Emily. And so we got downtown. Now, a little bit of what we saw when we got there. We had two tickets. And we walked up to the place, the steps of St. Stephen's Basilica, and it was all fenced off. There were seats maybe in the front of the fence for maybe 300 people at the most. And then there was behind the fence standing room for what appeared to be later several thousand people. And we had tickets to go up to the seats. We still didn't know what we were into, so we walked through. We got our seats, and we were pretty early, and so we went just about four rows from the very front. And we sat down and we watched what was going to happen. Now what was going to happen was that there is a relic in St. Stephen's Basilica of the hand of St. Stephen, the first monarch who converted to Christianity in, in, uh, in uh, Hungary. 
they have his hand there. And as a matter of fact, if you look closely, you'll see a, a little building-like thing there. And his hand is in there. Supposedly. I don't know. And to commemorate 1,000 years, the government decided that they were going to take this out of the basilica, where it always rests, and carry it down the street and put it in the parliament building for a year so everyone could come and see it and celebrate. So we were there to witness this. And as people began to gather, we realized the president of Hungary showed up with an entourage of military. We realized the prime minister of Hungary was there. We saw on the platform very high officials from the Roman Catholic Church and high officials from the Eastern Orthodox Church. They were all there for this special celebration. And we realized this was really something special. Didn't know what it was going to be. Now, seated in front of us, we were in about row four, seated in front of us was a whole group of people, couples, but the ladies all had the strangest hats on that we had ever seen, and they were all identical. And I said to Emily next to me, what are those hats? She said, I have no idea. And we had no idea. So we went through this whole ceremony. The ceremony ended, and we weren't sure what we were supposed to do next. And there was no way to get out because there was a fence there and we couldn't go out the way we had come in. So we looked and he was going alongside the basilica and were carrying the hand in this little building. And they were going somewhere and everybody else was kind of following along. And the people in front of us got up with the funny hats and they followed along and the president followed along. And I said, Emily, I guess we're supposed to follow along. She said, yeah, let's follow along. So we all followed along and we went out. And we turned to the left after we got past the basilica. And there we are on this beautiful tree-lined street. And there are hundreds and hundreds of people on both sides of the street. And we're in a parade. <laughs> and it's a two-mile parade. It's about two miles from the basilica to the parliament building. And I said, wow, isn't this great, Emily? We're in a parade. My wife is home watching this on TV. I had no idea what we were doing. We're walking along. Parade, you know, here we go. Just walking along in the parade. And something strange started happening. As we moved down the street, about the time we would come up, people would start to applaud. I said, Emily, what are they applauding for? I don't know. So we would keep going and come to the next little second. We get a little further. I said, Emily, there's somebody important in this parade here, and they're around us. And then it dawned on me, a little history of Hungary. Now, Hungary was liberated from its monarchy of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, which ranged from about 1300 A.D. to the First World War. And they were ruled by a family called the Habsburgs. Imagine one family ruled that nation huge nation, included Austria, parts of Germany, ruled it for all those years. I said, Emily, those people with the funny hats, they're Habsburgs. She said, you're right. Now, I knew a little bit about the politics of Hungary by then. There were a lot of people that were very unhappy with the democracy that existed. There were a lot of people who wanted to go back to the Habsburgs. And we're marching in a parade right behind the Habsburgs. I said, Emily, 
hey, I don't think we ought to be in this parade. She said, I think you're right. Let's get out of here. So we left the parade. It's interesting, isn't it? When we get in a parade and we're not so sure we ought to be there anymore. Parades are like that. Well, immediately after this little incident of some possibly leaving, the shouting began. So let's go back to Matthew chapter 21, verse 9. We've been singing about it this morning. The crowds, there they are again, the crowds that went before him and followed him, they were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Now that really sounds good. And truly it probably should be good. We sang about it this morning. But I began to wonder how many of these people really understood what they were saying. Or what were they really saying? So I don't want to disillusion you with this, but the word Hosanna means save us. Or rescue us. Or deliver us. Doesn't have a whole lot to do with what we call salvation. Has more to do with politics. And then... This idea of son of David. David was the king, that glorious king who established a kingdom for all of Israel. Are these people saying, we want to go back to the way it was. We don't like Rome. We don't like Rome who sits here with us and controls us. Take us back to the Davidic kingdom. Is that what they were saying? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That sounds good, doesn't it? But if you look at the word blessed, it means to speak well of. Not really blessed in a holy spiritual sense, but just to speak well of someone. You can bless them. So suppose we translated this. We speak well of him who appears to come in the name of God. It sort of takes some of the glamour out of it, doesn't it? And then again, Hosanna in the highest. Rescue us, O God, in the heavens. Now there's no question about it that this crowd was into this parade. But did they really understand what was going on? I'm not sure they did. So I'll give you another short story about my parade experience. This is a uh, parade, and that's me, that tall thing with the funny-looking dress and hanging that thing up there with the big wave things on it. This is the Orange Men's Parade, and I'm about 14, 15 years old right there. Now, most of you probably don't know anything about the Orange Men, but the Orange Men are the result of William of Orange in Scotland, who conquered and defeated King James VII. This is the guy that came long after the King James that wrote the Bible and set up Protestantism in Scotland. So the Orange Men are a group of Protestant people and the Orange Men extended to not only men but also to women. There were Orange women. Now, in 1911, the whole movement of the Orange people came to America. 
And I don't know how my mother ever got into this. She was as German as German come. <laughs> but she got mixed up with a bunch of orange ladies. And every year on July the 12th, to commemorate the day, the battle, when William of Orange defeated the British king, to commemorate it, they had a parade in downtown Philadelphia. And my mother always got me to carry the banner for her little group of orange ladies in this parade. And I was maybe 14, 15 years old at the time. Now, I was willing to do it, walk in the parade, and I had absolutely no idea what this parade was about. But I liked it because at the end of the parade, they had a big picnic. And the picnic was fun. So I was willing to do this. I'm in a parade that I don't know anything about. I want you to listen again to what the crowd said. Matthew chapter 21, verse 10. Now when they entered Jerusalem, the whole city of Jerusalem was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowds, the same crowds that took their outer garments off, the same crowds who said, save us, deliver us, we want son of David here, the same crowd said, listen, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. That's not who this is. This is the son of God. This is the Son of God, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, who's about to be crucified and resurrected and to bring salvation to a world that has never seen anything like this before. They have no idea who this is. They're in a parade and they have no idea what the parade is about. Or maybe a little idea. Now there are the responses that are recorded by Matthew. Some responses are not recorded. I like them the best. <laughs> Some people obviously said, I don't know what this is about, but I don't care to participate in it. There were some people there whose families would have been Pharisees. And the Pharisees looked at this. They'd heard about Jesus. They don't want to have any part in this parade. Do you understand there were people at the parade on the palm parade that said, we don't want any part of this. And then there were people there who were saying, I know exactly what this is, and I don't want any part in this. This is going to cause a revolution. This is going to cause problems. This is going to cause turmoil. This is going to be a very difficult thing. And I'm scared to death of what's going to happen if this parade goes on. I don't want any part in this. I know what's going to happen here. I'll give another little reaction for Ron and parades. Now we lived in uh, Port-au-Prince, Haiti for a couple of years, several years, almost three. And uh, Haiti has one of the most magnificent Mardi Gras anywhere in the world. They, they can outdo Brazil and certainly New Orleans. It's a big thing. And every year they celebrate it with outfits a little bit like this. Now, I wouldn't have mined the Mardi Gras 
But I had a particular connect with the Mardi Gras parades that bothered me. So I never went to the Mardi Gras parade. I didn't even watch it on TV. Maybe I should have, but I just felt uncomfortable. And here's why I felt uncomfortable. I pastored a church on a city, a street named Delma in Port-au-Prince. Now, Delma happened to be a main street. There weren't a lot of main streets in Port-au-Prince, but Delma was a main street. Two months before Mardi Gras, people began to get ready to celebrate for Mardi Gras, which was to be expected. And a little bit like the Mummers Parade, they were from little communities. And the little communities would get together. They'd put together what they called, or we called, rah-rah bands, and they would practice. And they would practice at night when we were having Sunday evening church. And periodically, they would come marching up the street, not just a little rah-rah group, but hundreds of other people with them. And it kind of was noisy and annoying, but that's okay. Didn't bother anybody too much. But I got a little worried with all of this. Because not only did I have to drive up that street, but then there was only one road that took me from that street to where I lived. I had to drive that one road. And during prep time for Mardi Gras, these rah-rah groups would get a little rowdy. These rah-rah groups maybe had a little too much Haitian rum. I don't know. But these rah-rah groups of hundreds and hundreds of people would literally block the roads. And I would have to drive my car at about one mile an hour through these groups of people. And it was very uncomfortable for me. Nothing ever happened, but it just made me uncomfortable. So I didn't ever go to the parade. I just felt uncomfortable there. That was probably the response of some of the people at the Palm Parade. I just felt uncomfortable. I think there were also people there who said, you know what, I'm too busy. I got things to do. This is Passover. I have responsible things. I've got a job. I've got to prepare food. There were people there whose families were in trouble. And they said, I've got to take care of my family, my children. They're not well. There were people there who were in bad health. They said, I, I can't be a part of this parade. I can't breathe in all of the dust and all the heat. There were people who there saying, listen, you know, I just don't get into things like this. I, I just want to be a spectator. I'll just, I'll just look. Okay, so did you get all this now? See, it's the Palm Parade. And every year at this time, churches all over the world remember and redo the Palm Parade. But I want you to understand that the Palm Parade is now. Right now. And right here. And I want to ask you, what's your response? What do you want to do with this palm parade? Are you going to be people who say, you know, I'm just not interested. I'll kind of watch a little bit on TV. I'll just be a spectator of all the people who do this. And then there are those who will say, you know, I I don't really like what I see. This parade makes me nervous. It's too religious. I'm uncomfortable with all of this. So I I don't want to be a part of that palm parade. And then there are people who will say, well, 
I'll try it and see where it goes. Kind of like what I did with the hand. But they try it for a little while and say, you know, this is not a parade for me. Then there are a lot of people who watch this parade who say, you know, I've been doing this for year after year after year. I'm part of the Christian community. I come to church. My family celebrates Palm Sunday and Easter, and, and we do all kinds of things. I'm, I'm in church periodically. Well, I don't have any clue what it really is all about. And there are those who say, you know what? I'm in for this as much as I can possibly be. There might be something really good for me at the end of this, and so... I'm going to stick with this palm parade right now. But here is the only response that God is looking for. That this is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I got great news for us. We're not in this parade going from the Olives the two miles to Jerusalem. This parade is taking place, and it's called the New Hope Parade. And it's going from here straight to eternity. And we live in a pretty messed up world. Have you noticed? And it doesn't matter. Because this is what life is about. That Jesus has come, and he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the best thing I can do is to say, here I am. I'm going all the way with you, Lord God. Where are you today? In the palm parade. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for days like Palm Sunday when we can remember something. We can celebrate something. But I pray you look at each one of our hearts and into each one of our minds and let us answer the question, where are we? Where are we with this parade? Do we fully grasp what this is all about? This one who walked into Jerusalem will die within the week, but he won't die. He'll be resurrected. He'll appear. And he will remind us that there is life everlasting in him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand as we sing?